Welcome to the Ramsrider Podcast. Camille Yuzviak, there it is. Camille Yuzviak's first goal for Derby County. It's a stunner. Got the flick, and it's Kazim Richards who pokes it home. And Derby County are in dreamland after 25 minutes. Knight on the follow-up. Derby lead at the den. In swing at Etheridge, drops it, and it's in from Bielik, and Christian Bielik scores his first goal for Derby. Hello and welcome back to the Ramsdrop podcast. As usual, I'm your host, Simon. Joining me today, he's back, he's back by very popular demand, in fact, is my guy, it's your guy, it's the athletics guy, yes, it's Ryan Conway. Ryan Good evening, my friend. How are you? Yeah, I'm not bad. Thanks, mate. Thanks for uh, thanks for having me back on. It's always a always a pleasure to catch up with you and chop it up, man. Oh, it's, oh, it's been too long, man. It's been too long. It has, actually... man. It has. It's been crazy, though. <laughs> it has. Yeah, you've been a very, very busy man. I'm not surprised we're covering Derby County, you know, to be honest. <laughs> I, I did have one request, though, from uh, one of my guys on Twitter, Joe Cowler. He says, if Derby stay up this season, will we get another yeehaw? On your live, <laughs> yeah, yeah, sure. Why not? Why not? Why not? I said if Derby stay up this season, we'll all get we'll all get drunk on YouTube together, and I'll and I'll play the ukulele sat behind me there. Um, so yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't see why not. I don't see why not. Got to get another yeehaw out of you, Ryan. I can't believe you've actually become a video meme of that as well, and a meme and a, and a gif as well. Popping you know what? So, like the guy, I saw the guy that made the video of, of that post under my replies, and I clicked on his on his profile, and I saw he'd actually already used it. But in relation to uh, to a Dwayne Holmes thing, I was like, oh man, don't do Dwayne like that. <laughs> I like Dwayne. <laughs> so I, I saw I saw that as well, and. Uh, yeah, Ben has been Ben has been gifting me all, all year, so I had to I had to show Ben some love and, and drop him <laughs> drop him a follow. So yes, yeah, it's, it's 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 good it's good fun. This is this is why I've been so reticent to like play the ukulele or anything like that because the it's it's on the internet forever. Then <laughs> yeah, you just know that's it. Once you do it once, it'll be it'll be popular. Ryan, can you do this? You, be, you become everyone's <laughs> playing chimp, mate. That's what it is. <laughs> I don't I don't mind I don't mind it that much, but it's like oh, if I, if I'm going to make a fool of myself and then it's out there on the internet. It's like, oh man, that'll come back to haunt me. <laughs> <laughs> no doubt, no doubt. And I did have another message as well from, uh, speaking of YouTube videos, of, uh, from uh, David Clarkson, who's a listener of the show, who said, tell Ryan he's an absolute legend. I love his YouTube videos and he needs to do longer ones. Oh, well, I really appreciate that, Dave. Thanks so much, man. Shout out to you. Um, <laughs> honestly, like any, anyone who tunes in and, you know, and watches or listens to my stuff is, you know, it's always greatly appreciated because, you know, we started this, like like last season where it was just you know it was just bullet it was just like five or six bullet points on on twitter and then you know i started doing doing them like on twitter live and you know it was just kind of like I, I didn't want to do it at first because i was like well what if no one watches you know what if what if they think i suck and and stuff like that but like no the, the fact that you know that people tune in to to watch is like absolutely incredible so no nah, thanks so much david man i really appreciate that I think it's fair to say you've had quite a journey um, since you took over covering covering Derby County, which was what back was that start of last year, weren't start, it? Start of last season, yeah. So I'm coming towards the end of my second season now, um, which is which is mental. I can't believe you know I'm already nearly at the end of, of covering two seasons of them. 
Um, so yeah, it's been it's been wild, man. It's been a good ride though. It's been yeah. a good and you're still gonna be even if we get out to League One, yeah. Get that clear. I still I still I still want to I still want to stick around. Um, oh, what a guy. You know, like I live, you know, I live here now. You know, don't don't fancy going through another move, but like also it's. You know, I've, I've built up a, a following here and, you know, I've built up an understanding with the club and built up an understanding with the fans, um, you know, and they're the most important things because if fans don't want you there, then they're not going to read your stuff and that makes me redundant as a journalist. Um, you know, if, if people ain't going to read me, then what am I even doing? So now I've become quite attached to the area, quite attached to the club and the fans, so I don't, I don't, I don't want to move anywhere. Ryan Conway is staying. <laughs> brilliant, brilliant news. So speaking of news and... Um, Obviously, I don't, I don't have final say on that. I don't have final say on that. If if, if my editor decides that, you know, he, he wants to put me else, elsewhere, then I have to go elsewhere. But I, if, if it was up to me, I, I, I'd stay. You know, I think, if it was uh, solely down to me, I'd stay. I think as uh, Derby fans will be protesting to your editor <laughs> if that ever happened, to be honest. <laughs> I'm like, I need someone to do podcasts with. We need someone to yeah. do podcasts <laughs> with. I'd, I'd, still, I'd, still keep my, I'd still keep my eye on them. I'd, still, I'd probably still write the odd thing about it, But like, yeah, if, if, it was, if it was solely up to me, I'd, I'd stay. But it's one of those where, you know, it, it isn't. So what we all have to hope for is that I'm not put in that position and they stay up. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Anyway. Right, let's get down to business. So, a lot of the questions there, and obviously, I, as usual, I thought I might as well start with the questions because it's what I was about to talk about. But what, essentially, then, everyone, obviously, I did a podcast, uh, was it uh, Sunday night, Saturday night, Sunday night, with my friend Salam, who's a BBC journalist out in UAE. Uh, and he sort of gave us, gave us a bit of clarity about what actually happened from the takeover, from what he's heard from the UAE side. Um, but what I want to digress into a bit more and what apparently everyone else does as well is because obviously it was the athletic who broke the news um, is Eric Alonso seems to be heading up a, a bid to take over the club as, as well as three, maybe four other people. Um, now, John Percy on the Steve Bremer pod. Yes, I will. <laughs> Don't mind saying that. I do listen to other, other podcasts. Um, but yeah, on the Steve Bremer pod, he did say, obviously there was, other investors as well, um, one that's very highly sort of connected with agents, you know. Um, but first of all, I just obviously I want to get down to business and Eric Alonso. Then, what what can you tell us about him? Who is he? What is he involved in? What what you know? Is it a good fit? Because all I've read and seen about him from other fans, especially Sheffield Wednesday fans, is uh, it's just bad news. Yeah, yeah. So obviously, he had some dealings with with Sheffield Wednesday. Um, I think it was a, as an as an advisor first and foremost to the to the ownership there. Um, and I think at one point in time, um, there were discussions about him buying Sheffield Wednesday and taking over the club there. Um, obviously, his line of, of work is probably best known for his, his agency, um, WBD Sports, I think it is, something like that. Um, his website, strangely enough, is, is not completed yet. You go onto the, the homepage of the website and it's just a sort of come back soon. We're still, uh, we're, we're still finishing this. But that was the case sort of three months ago as well. Yeah. Um, so you sort of wonder what what's going on, what's going on there. As, as obviously we reported, um, as 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 we understand it, um, the deal would essentially be no no loans involved to take over the club, um, and it would essentially lift the club out of out of debt, um, which is you know a, a very welcome thing for for Derby at the moment, who have obviously got you know a few loans outstanding and and all those sorts of all those sorts of bits and bobs. Um, I believe the stadium would be involved in in that as well, but I'm, I'm, I'm 
that's what I'm hearing is that the state the stadium will be part of the deal, obviously, because the stadium isn't technically owned by Derby County anymore. Yeah. Um, so so yeah, that's that's where we stand on 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 that. Look, you know, whether you hear good or, or, or bad about him, it's a strange one. This is why football takeovers are so very delicate because you don't really know until they get hold of the club, right? You don't really know if they're going to be a good fit for the club or a bad fit for the club until they are in control and and, and running it. Now, you know, he's, he's got a couple of red flags, um, but, you know, BZI had a lot of red flags and fans seemed pretty excited for, for them to, to to own the club. Um, it all depends on 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 what side you, you wear on. The big question is not if Eric Alonso has the money to buy the club, it's if Eric Alonso has the money to run the club, yeah. right? Because buying the club is one thing, but once you've got it, you know, you've got to keep pumping money into it. Um, you know, one would assume that he has got the finances to do so. Um, otherwise, he, he wouldn't have got this far in the in the in the process um, of negotiating with 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 Derby. Um, so yeah, but he's um, he's he's tricky in terms of to pin down um, entirely. Sort of, I guess who he is and and, and what he he's involved in his various other projects outside there. You know, there are stories out out there already that you know I think he, he's a chairman or he owns Bali FC or, some, or something like that. But if you then log on to the website, his name doesn't appear anywhere. And you know, there was a dispute that um, you know a player. Um, they claim to represent a player and then the player himself said that they didn't represent him and, and all those sorts of things that you kind of look at and go, okay, that's not great. Um, you know, but in terms of his red flags, uh, I wouldn't say they are as bad as what BZI's red flags were. Yeah. Yeah, because I mean, obviously, I think when it was reported, you mentioned the WBD sports. He's also, I think, the other, I think when the athletic reported, um, was it was it Matt that reported Matt Slater? Yeah, yeah. So it was it was Matt Slater and David Ornstein that, that reported that. They reported it as being as a, as, as a no limit sports agency. Now, yeah. I, had a, I had a quick look at them, and they're sort of agents for um, Roberto Carlos and Luis Figo were the two lot sort of standout names for them. So you know, if that is him, I mean. You mentioned, you mentioned, obviously, you think, you know, he's, he's obviously... You know, Eric, Eric Alonso's got some friends in, in, in high places. You know, I would just, just say that, you know, he's got some friends in some very, very high places. Yeah. Um, and what I was going to say was, has when you say, obviously, he's got the money and everything like that, is that from his own money or is he then being backed by somebody? I've heard you know, Indonesian backers or, or something like that as well. Are you aware of that or...? Yeah, I mean... Uh... It's, it's, it's difficult to pin down, as with many things in football, it's difficult to pin down where exactly the money comes from. Yeah. Um, but but as, as we understand it, it would be Eric Alonso's own money right. um, that, would be, that would be buying Derby. And um, yeah, so as, as we understand it, that would, that would, be, that would be the case. Now, that, now, that's not to say that he would be externally backed um, elsewhere, but as in terms of buying Derby, um, we understand it'd be, it'd be his money. How, it's, how, how the operation is funded after that, um, you know, I suppose we'll we'll wait to see if the transaction is is completed. So if if we sort of went with Eric, Eric Lanza, would we sort of not be falling into that sort of same not I wouldn't say trap or a similar situation to when Sam Rush, Rush was involved, where we sort of obviously if he's a sport agent, you know, would he be looking to bring in players from his agency? Are we sort of in you know? Obviously, you know the 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 stories were that if Sam Rush was bringing in his own players from from his agency and 
um, there were inflated prices. So obviously, as agents got more money, would would we like be risking sort of falling into that trap again, or do you think? Yeah, it's, I mean, it's you know, it's it, it, but it's all it's always a risk, right? It, that that's always a risk that that you run is you're going to get um, an owner that has got an agency and wants to recruit players through that through that agency and 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 try and get you know the agents, the clients, whatever it is, a bit more cash. Then you all you always run that risk, and it could be it could be bad. On the other hand, um, it's not exactly the same, but if you've got a similar deal to, let's just say, what Wolves had, where they were very cosy with one agent, um, they got, you know, from George Mendes, they managed to recruit a lot of very, very good players. You know, you look at what Wolves did in the championship, and some of the players they had in the championship was bonkers. Yeah, um, all through, all th- you know, all through a deal with, with, with George Mendes. I don't think Wolves fans are complaining very much. You know, I don't think Wolves as a football club are complaining very much. Um, now, some might... Um, have a very sinister take on 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 what that is, but let's be honest, there is very there is little um, purity left in in football um, anyway. So if you get a Wolves arrangement, suddenly it's great, and no no one really cares that this guy owns a, owns an age owns an agency. I don't think Wolves fans care much that that they're kind of in bed with with George Mendes. I don't think they care much because they've got a lot of a lot of quality players. But yeah, of course, there's there's always scope for for it to go down an unsavoury route, and suddenly you're you're lumbered with these players. Um, and have spent a lot of money and they're on you know a lot of wages and you've shelled out eight big agent fees and and stuff like that um again, again it's one of those questions where you don't really know until they get hold of the football club yeah and then just last sort of last one on Eric really um do you think that you know you obviously said that all the loans and stuff will be all included and whatnot do you think it could be a case of say it's Eric Alonso say it's a another they come in and rather than because obviously that I think the money that's been touted around has been 60 million for the club. Um, do you think it could be a case of, well, I'll pay off the loans and buy the club for a pound, something like that? Would it be that sort of deal? It wouldn't surprise me. Um, it, it really, it really wouldn't surprise me. Um, because I think what you know, Derby has, has acquired a, a lot of debt. Um, so that that arrangement. You know the the price, the, the the figure I think that would be touted, whatever they they sold it would be, would be sixty million, fifty million, forty, thirty, whatever the figure would be. It'd essentially be buying buying the debt, and then essentially the asset of Derby County would be sold for 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 a pound. That scenario would not shock me at all. Um, you know, and I think that's the state of of, of where the clubs where the clubs at right right now financially. You know, they 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 have they have had their struggles financially, and you know. It's been pretty quiet for the last month or so in terms of the, the finances, but you, you never know when when another one will 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 crop up. I think what these last twelve months have, have shown is Derby County in its current state is not financially sustainable for the for the long term. And obviously, as they continue taking out these loans, I mean, obviously, John Percy reported that after the BZI deal was in serious jeopardy, that you know Derby tried to take out another loan with 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 MSD. That speaks to the the financial instability I think that that surrounds the club at the at the moment. So the quicker they can get debt free, even if the club is sold at a pound, the quicker they can get debt free, the better. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I think I think Mel would just go with that. Now I think he's obviously had enough. Now, especially with the obviously with the dealings with BZI, I think you know, in my opinion, I think I think he's just fed up and he's just ready to just give it all up. Now, he's you know, he's, he's obviously you know, it's been reported he's, he's struggled with his health, etc. Um, but yeah, I just think he's ready, ready to sort of just go, just somebody take it off my hands now. I think he's becoming a desperate man, which I suppose 
is a good thing for those Derby fans who just want a takeover to happen. Um, but obviously, it then it brings in the poachers that when they go right, let's get a cheap club here. To be honest, if you're going to buy a football club, now's now's really the time to do it, I suppose, because yeah, you know, with COVID it's, and everything, it's, it's all funny. cheap. It's it's funny as well because there are there are so many other financial factors to consider in the in the climate that we're, that we're living in. Um, you know, there's Derby. Derby is a very attractive asset to someone that wants to expand their portfolio. Um, and, let, and let's face it, business people are business people. Football clubs are pretty much always there to expand one's portfolio. Um, you know, I, I remember fielding a lot of questions when BZI were, were dragging their heels over this. Well, do they not think about the fans? Do they not? No, is the short answer. Um, I'm really sorry to break this to you. They do not care. They are business people. If, if, they buy the, they, if they buy the club and suddenly pump in tens of hundreds of millions into the club, fans will forget about the time they dragged their heels trying to buy the club. Right, because that that's just the that's just the belly of the beast. You know that 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 might not be a take that everyone wants to hear, but BZI do not care about you. Um, they care about buying the asset at a price that works for them, um, and that's how more most business people operate. Because um, you know, unless you are local like Mel, the, the club, the fan base, it's it's just part of a of, of another business deal, right? That's how that's how it is. Derby is an attractive um, proposition because the stadium's massive. Wayne Rooney's manager, they're in the championship. For now, let's just you know, let's just say they 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 stay up, and there's a lot there's a lot of, of scope there. But if you're trying to buy the club mid you know mid season when they are struggling against relegation, the fact that Mel is actively trying to sell the club, and also the fact that you know they were staring relegation, you know they they're battling relegation, and at one point when Bees and I were trying to take it over, they were bottom of the table. Well, no one you know that that suddenly is a very unattractive proposition. Um, you know, or, or at least a, a less attractive one. So the price is going to come down. Um, and then you're looking at even when fans come back, I, I very much doubt they're just going to, you know, June rolls around or the start of the season rolls around and they're just going to go right, right pack um, Pride Park out with 30,000. It won't work like that. Um, and finances, you know, once we get out of the other side of COVID, whenever that is, and hopefully is th this calendar year, um, football finances won't just return to the status quo. You know that it just won't it just won't work that way. There'll be a there'll be a period where they have to build themselves. It has to build itself back up. Um, you know because billions have been have been lost globally because of the pandemic just in football. Yeah. And so it won't just return to to the status quo. But in terms of what an asset is worth, yeah, you're right. You look at it and think that's pretty cheap. Um, and once we're out of COVID, a bit of work and a bit of time and and a bit of care, you know, we can you know restore. Um, the, the lost value of, of, of the club, as it were. Yeah, no, definitely. And then just finally, uh, <laughs> I felt like my last three or four podcasts have been about a takeover, but um, I think the Athletic Report is well, I've seen it about, but apparently there's three other, you know, as, as obviously people have questioned as well, um, you know, there's supposed to be two, three other, other potential buyers. Nobody seems to know any names. <laughs> is is yeah. that a good thing or...? Yeah, I think I think with things like it's not a good thing or a bad thing. Um, it's it's sort of the the nature of the beast again. You know, football takeovers are very very complex. Um, so yeah, myself and Matt Slater, whoa, I can't even rem I can't even remember how long ago this was because we've done so many stories about about this. But it was in the midst of the BZI takeover. Myself and Matt Slater were made aware of American investment that had been offered, um, and it had been turned down. Um, because at the time, bees that I were like, well, no, we we just want to buy this off our off our own back. We don't need any other investors or external investment or any or anything like that. 
now when they're un when they're unnamed, um, you know the the, the deal is that you know you, you don't out who who the, the consortium is or the business is because that that simple act of of saying it's this it's that it's this has many knock on effects behind the scenes and down the line and 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 things like that. So the, it's not the it's not that a journalist or whoever's reporting it doesn't know the name. It's that for um, reasons that it, it, they remain unnamed. Yeah, that's like with me because, you know, um, Salam, he knows who the backer was, but obviously because of the trust he's got with somebody, he can't then just be spewing it out because it was unnamed for a big reason. So Yeah, yeah, you can't you can't really break your confidentiality with the... Because, look, the thing is, it's not, you know, they'll, they'll, they'll come a time when you know you, you can name the the, the backers and, and and things like this but but you know it's it's all based on you know feel and how far along down the line the, the process is and, and 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 all those and all those um and all those sorts of all those sorts of things um also um just to uh, just to clear something up so um i'm going to bat for my colleague matt slater here matt slater ran a piece not long ago um, about BZI having an unpaid legal bill of £500,000 for the Newcastle takeover. Um, Derby then released a statement that essentially knocked Matt, Sl Matt Slater's story down and Matt Slater got pelters from Derby fans. Um, that story is true, it's still true, and their legal bill is, is still outstanding. Um, so some Derby fans owe Matt Slater an apology. It's not my story, but, you know, Matt Slater's my colleague and, um, you know, Matt Slater's the kind of guy where if, if, if Matt Slater writes it, I'm trusting it. Um, but yeah, he was, you know, he was told, I remember getting tagged in a load of things. Oh, it's rubbish. Oh, they're doing it for clicks. They're doing it for that. Um, it was true. It's still true. And it, it's right. Of course, Darby are going to knock that down, aren't they? <laughs> it's going to look bad into it if they go, oh, yeah, this person that's taken us over, they're already 500k with Lloyds. <laughs> I mean, it's to, to just touch on that, that was a very bad look for Darby, in, in, in my opinion, because it, it was December. It was December. Yeah. Darby then released a statement saying, you know, prior to speculation that, you know, we are now confident of reaching a deal before Christmas. That was December 14th. Um, when you do that, you build a rod for your own back. Don't put a date on it. That is just silly. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I just don't don't do that. And then obviously Christmas comes and goes and New Year comes and goes. January comes and goes and just just nothing. And it it just it, it was a very, very bad look for the club in 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 my opinion, because they they'd not in my opinion, they'd not communicated to fans well enough. Yeah. about what was going on with the takeover reports are swirling everywhere and the club said nothing then when they did say something they put a date and a timetable on it and suddenly that it passed and you think well now you look ineffective in in, in this as, as as well so who could the, the, you you're you're meant to trust your football club with the communications it, it puts out and when they do stuff like that and then what happens happens it breaks a lot of trust, in my opinion, with 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 a lot of fans, because suddenly you throw your arms up and think, "Well, what are we doing here?" <laughs> yeah, because I think I think obviously, I mean, with with obviously takeovers, they're always complex things. We know this. Um, could Derby have handled it a lot better? Yes, I think they could have done. I think they would agree they could have done. But I think I think what was really sort of getting to fans was the fact that obviously the reading stories that takeovers were supposed to be happening twenty four to forty eight hours, not happened. Uh, then all of a sudden we are we're not paying our players, and then all of a sudden fans are going actually thinking about myself here. I've still not had my refund for my season ticket yet, so I understand the frustrations of the fans. Uh, you know, you know, no, self-included. You know, I was, you know, we just wanted it done with. You know, we want. I don't. I wasn't bothered at the time if if they weren't actually no, it's not going to happen now. Just tell us. 
yeah, no, hundred percent, hundred percent. And I, I don't look, look, don't don't get me wrong. I don't think um, this this wasn't me. You know, it's not that fans are going, oh, you're taking us over and up. But the fact that you need clear communication to to your fan base um, about what is what is going on, um, you know, because at no point remember, like you know, it's you know, John, John Percy tweet, you know, was tweeted that the deal was officially officially off. Um, you know, we, you know, Slater had reported a few weeks back that basically it was as close to being off as as, as you could as you could call it. But at no point of the club actually come out and, and said it's off. You know, at no point. And 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 at some point you wonder if you just hold your hands up and go, look, we've tried to do this. Negotiations have ceased. We'll now find a, an alternative, an alternative investor, an alternative backer, or you know, we will continue to to own the club. The, the club have, have have not have not done that. Um, now you know that's. Um, a lot of a lot of talking heads go into making that decision. Who makes that communication? You know, because it's not like the comms team can just go and, and and run it. You know, that has to go by you know Mel and Stephen Pearce and you know all these different people right right at the top. Um, you know, this this isn't a pure um, thing about any particular like you know comms team or what they what because the comms team have to be clear about what they are communicating, and that yeah. has to come from that has to come from the top. And as of yet, at no point of of Derby come out and. And, and said that the BZ ideal is, is off. You know, that was left to journalists to report. Yeah, no, exactly. And I, I, feel, <laughs> I feel a bit bad for John Percy because obviously he, he tweeted so many times, oh, the deal's going to be done here, deal's going to be done there, and didn't happen. Well, <laughs> <laughs> that's... That's how it. That's how it. You didn't, but that you know. That's that's how it goes sometimes. Um, yeah. You know, John, John won't. I don't think John will lose any credibility over that. You know, he's he's nah. an established journal. Um, but you know, John will. I imagine John will be annoyed if if nothing else. You know, because um, as a journalist, it's not fun to be reporting this, reporting this, reporting this, reporting this, and then you have to completely pivot and and, and go the other way. Um, it makes your info look um, um, inaccurate and bad. And and as a journalist, that's your credibility. Yeah. You know, as, as someone as established like John. Um, I don't think it'll hurt him as much. But if that was someone like me, that would hurt my reputation um, a lot more because, you know, I've only been doing the game a, um, a, a couple of years and people are still trying to figure out, you know, how, how credible how credible I, I am or, you know, stuff like that. So that that would hurt me a lot more than it would have hurt John. But I imagine it's more annoying to someone like John. Yeah, I think still, I think people seem to still be trying to work out a credible athletic car, even though you guys were the first to break the news about the takeover. And, you know... Well, I think it's one of them. You're sort of, I guess, you're still, I guess, new in the game when it comes to reporting about, you know, championship football clubs, etc., things like that. So I think, you know, like I say, the, I, common, the common theme is, is detractors will say that we, we sensationalise headlines to get subscriptions, hmm. um, but that's not not we've we've never apologised for a story. We've never had to take a story down. We've never redacted a story. We've never had to tweet an apology for a story. We've never been proven wrong on a story. We just let our track record speaks for itself. Remember, Matt, you know, Matt Slater broke the story that the, the bees that I take over was was happening. Yeah. Um, and everyone, you know, everyone was praising him and it was true and all oh, Matt's great and this, that and the other. Um, a lot of those very same people then called him fake news when he tweeted that they had an, or when he ran the story that they had an unpaid legal bill. And at some point you have to think, well, pick a side. You can't be, the, you know, you can't be tweeting great news and it's the saviour and this, that and the other when you want to believe it. And then just tweet that, oh, you're fake news and this, that and the other when it's a story that doesn't 
um, align properly with what you what you think is happening. But the, look, that isn't us. That isn't Matt, me, Matt Slater and the Athletic and, and Derby fans. That's how football fans interact with all football journalists, right? That that's just yeah. the deal. That's just the deal that that, that, that you play. The, the only the only true credibility is playing the long game and and being proven right in. In, in the end, and that that that's that's just how it goes. So it's, it's you know you understand it's never personal, um, you know. Even though sometimes fans may think it's personal, like you're reporting bad stuff about our club, you hate yeah. our club. But it's, it's it's you know it's never it's never personal. I don't think journalists ever take it personally, but it's um it's just it's just something that for me personally um, frustrates me because you sit there and think I don't understand human behaviour. <laughs> <laughs> very true, very true. So yeah, it's fine. And obviously, like like we said, then so. There is obviously other interesting parties, you know, I guess obviously John Percy and Stephen probably said there was someone that was linked to an agent, you know, but obviously no names, but I think, it's, I mean, I've, I've been asked the question, um, how long do you think the takeover will take? <sighs> Not this again. How long's a piece of string? You know, it's, yeah. <laughs> we'd hope, I guess, if, you know, we'd, we'd like it to be done by the summer, but obviously we can't guarantee that really, can we? Yeah, yeah, and, and I think, look, while while Derby on the pitch continue, because look, if you're a buyer, you need to know the very solid foundations of where the asset stands that you are buying. Right now, no backer knows what division Derby will be in, because they are, you know, they get a, they got a little bit of a buffer on the relegation zone, and suddenly seven without a win, and they're right back in the thick of it again. Um, what backer is going to commit to a club that they don't know what division it's going to be because those those financial shifts from championship to league one are rather substantial. Um, so I imagine it's very dependent on... I, I wouldn't expect... I'd expect talks to obviously continue and, and, and go on. But I wouldn't expect any changing of hands to happen before um, the final game of, of the season in uh, you know on the, on the 8th of May um, because about, you know any buyer wants to know what division are you in, mate? You know, if, if if Derby if Derby go into that final game of the season against Sheffield Wednesday, needing a point point to stay up, do you think a backer has already bought them, n- yeah. not knowing where his asset will will stand? That you know that won't that's just not smart business from 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 their standpoint. You know, so um, any takeover I imagine would be in the in the summer, and I imagine once the season's wrapped up, let's just say Derby stay up. Um, once the season's wrapped up, I imagine they'll want this deal solved pronto because uh, that squad needs an incredible amount of doing to it. Massively. I'm glad you brought football into it. Let's talk about football. So, I saw, I just saw a headline about Rooney potentially putting his managerial career in jeopardy. Do you think that's the case? You know, he's taken over a club that are in a bit of a state, um, (laughs) financially and obviously sort of squad-wise as well. Um, And he's been, you know, he took over with Bottler League, you know, with Clowned Out, you know, what six seven five is it six points off safety now um if we go down do you think that could ruin his credibility as a manager um i think it will harm it a bit you know um but not i think i think it will harm it a bit because of, of, of course it will you know on, on his on his cv it will always say you know derby got relegated with wayne rooney as, as manager however there will be caveats that, that you always add to that they were dead last when he took over the squad with six points um, you know the squad needed the squad needs and the squad he's working with needs a lot of tinkering with. In fact, parts of it need a total rebuild. 
uh, the financial issues meaning that players weren't getting paid, staff weren't getting paid, which meant they couldn't bring anyone in in January until that was sorted, you know, so they ended up doing a dash on, on, on deadline day. There are a lot of caveats that if Derby go down, there are a lot of caveats that, that you know, Wayne Rooney can, can use to say, well, hang on, this wasn't purely just because I'm a bad manager or I'm an inexperienced manager. Um, you know, it's, 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 it's accountability across the board. Wayne Rooney will foot it from a lot of fans and a lot of media because he is the manager. But it's not solely Wayne Rooney's fault. Yeah. You know, in fact, and, and in fact, you know, it's the fickle nature of sport, isn't it? Um, they're on a winless run of seven now and, and you know, naturally fans are anxious and you express that angst, you know, online or however it may be by, you know, Rooney should have done this, Rooney should have done that, Rooney should have done that. But would they have been in the position without Rooney? Would they be in the position to be dragged back into a relegation dogfight yeah. had Rooney not lifted them there in the in in the in the first place, you know, when you know, a month ago, month ago, six weeks ago, it was it was all it was all praise and rightly so because they they looked closer to mid table than than the relegation zone. But you know, football's football's fickle, isn't it? Um, if they if they if they if they stay up, you know, look, football fans are fickle. Football media, we're all hypocrites. That's what we are. We're all hypocrites. Yeah, yeah. Look, like, and the game the game itself is 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 fickle. You know, that game on the pitch itself is is fickle. You know, um, if if Derby if Derby stay up. Is that you know? Is that the greatest? Is is that one of Derby's great great escapes or greater escapes? Is has really been lucky? Have they fallen arse backwards across the finish line? Who, who knows how you contextualise it? <laughs> whatever, you know, but what but whatever whatever it is, um, you know, that's that's the narrative that you just kind of pick with and and, and run with. Um, but yeah, I think if if they were if they were to go down, yeah, I think I think it would hurt Rooney's rep a little bit. But I don't think it would destroy his, his his credibility as a manager because there are a lot of, of factors outside him that you can point to, um, and that a lot of people can point to and go, well, hang on, what about this? What about that? What about this? And yeah, he's he's not been dealt a great hand. He, he's right. not been dealt a great hand. But he's from everyone I speak to, um, you know, when you you know many fans only see only see the results, and you know if you don't sub to to my work, you don't read the, the little bits that, that I write about, or you know if you don't read um, some of Percy's work, if you don't subscribe to the, the Telegraph Times, if you don't. But from from everyone I speak to, um, Wayne has been absolutely brilliant behind the scenes, and everyone feels very strongly and confidently about his leadership, about his direction for the club, about what he wants for the club. Um, he has authority at, at the club in terms of the respect of the of, of the players. And if and if you're a player that doesn't fit his mould, you know, much like what, what happened to, to Dwayne Holmes, you you leave, you know, you you get sold, you get moved on. Um, you know, that's that's kind of how it how it goes. Um, but from everyone I've spoken to, you know, Wayne has been um, absolutely brilliant to, to you know, it, behind the scenes and in terms of what he brings, in terms of what his, what his vision is. You just, you know, you need the, the, the foundations and the funds to manifest that vision. Yeah. Just on his managerial style, um, you know, we had Koku Ball. Um, I, I'm trying to figure out what Rooney Ball is, if you like, because do you think he's changing it? too much and he's sort of taken a bit of a I don't know an unrealistic approach I suppose by not sort of trying to stamp his authority and sort of go with a style that he wants to play and just sort of matching up whoever he's playing against I think it's weird because in a, in a press conference I can't remember what game it was before it might it might have been it might have been before um um, what, who, who did they just lose to Stoke <laughs> sorry <laughs> they all they all smashed together now I do 
I think before I think I think it was before the Stoke game. It was bef- it was before a recent game anyway, where where he was asked about his identity, and he said, "Right now, his identity is game to game." Now that to me speaks to the fact that he doesn't have the squad avail necessary that he believes he can imprint his identity upon. You know, it's a lot of the squad. Is, the squad is imbalanced. There are a lot of moving parts there. Six loans, for example, three, four players out of contract, for example. Why? Would you try and stamp your authority and style on a team that looks like it's going to be dismantled at the end of the season? Um, is one is one argument. The other argument is, yeah, they have changed it a, a lot recently. You know, they have changed it a lot, and we've almost come full circle now because right at the start of the season, you know, Philip was getting criticised for chopping and changing and moving players here and putting players in natural positions and so mm-hmm. on and so forth. And it seems like we've come back to that. You know, we're looking at you know Louis Sibley again out out on the out on the left. Um, he he had a little spell at the start of the game through the middle where he'd burst through midfield and press, and Kazim Richards had, had gone mm. to the left. The problem was that Kazim Richards could could hardly move. You know, he was yeah. he was not he was not fit. Rooney said he's been carrying that knock for a few weeks now, which probably speaks a little bit to the fact why he's been a bit ineffective recently. He's probably not been fit for four games or so, which is not great. Um, so simply going back out to the left, that's unnatural. You know, um, again, Stoke playing Camille Yuzviak and Tom Lawrence as sort of these auxiliary centre-forwards, these sort of dual false nine roles when you've not rolled that out all season. So that's very difficult to learn on the fly. So that's very difficult. You know, you've got, um, you know, like you're asking Jason Knight and Graham Shinney to kind of pick up the slack that Christian Bielik has, not slack, but, you know, the void that Christian yeah. Bielik has left in his, in his ball-playing ability. Um Whereas, look, don't get me wrong, both of those players can play, but their strengths lie in sort of more functional number eights, box-to-box guys. So therefore, there's a lot of mixing and matching and chopping and changing and doing all this sort of thing. Um, I think, look, with they've got, you know, two weeks on the training ground now. Um, I I think the best thing for, for, for them, in my opinion, would be to go to what they went to right at the start of Rooney's tenure when he was still the interim, which is be hard to beat, which... In all fairness, they still are, you know, they're still pretty sound defensively. Outside of the Cardiff game, they don't they don't really concede many goals. Um, get the ball out wide quickly and get balls in the box and get bodies into the box. It, it's not pretty, but it's effective. And right now, this team just needs to be effective. Yeah. Would you go with the two up top then, with uh, Colin and, and Lee Gregory? Or would you sort would. of four three three? You would go... Yeah, I would. I, 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 really, I really like Lee Gregory so far, what he, what he brings. He's more mobile than, than Kazim Richards. Um, Kazim Richards is a much more of a pure target man right now, when he, and he drops deep to bring players into playing at midfielders running around him. Lee Gregory runs the channels really, really well. Um, and I think I think his movement in, inside the box and just generally sort of, you know, being in the right place at, at the right time. Um, his goal against, um, I think it was Middlesbrough at home, you know, Far post header, right place, right time. His goal against Brentford to get them back into the into the game, you know, just just drifts into a really nice little area, you know, where Nathan Byrne can cut it back to, right place, right time. Um, you know, really hard worker, runs the channels well. Um, I think them two as a pair could could do some really good bits. And also getting keeping one player constantly close to Kazim Richards can always be a good thing because if he wins the header or he wins the flick on it or chests it down or whatever, you've always got to play a buzzing round him within you know a, f- a few yards. I think if he's a one up front and you've got these this midfield in front of him, if that midfield is sat so deep, then suddenly you've got this big, big gap between Kazim Richards and the midfield and he has no real runners around him. So, I, I mean, 
it's not it won't be pretty, but I think going with a with a four four two with Jason Knight and, and Graham Shinney as your functional eights and and kind of having, you know, I know Lawrence is back in the fold now, or usually I call Patrick Roberts has looked very lively recently, using one of them on, on the wing and then with Kazim Richards or Gregory or Martin Wyckhorn up front. Um, although, you know, remains to be seen where, where Wyckhorn sort of lies in, in Rooney's plans. Um, you know, I think it um I think it lends itself to just being, you know, very difficult grind in football, get results and and stay in the division. Yeah. No, I agree. I think I definitely think two up top's the way forward, whether we play three at the back and you wing backs or just four at the back. We've got in fairness, I think we've got the sort of flexibility to do that, either go three at the back or four at the back. You know, actually you mentioned Patrick Roberts there. He looked well, arguably one of our best players against Stoke, to be honest. Um just I guess I, I don't know, I just think you need to just I think pick a formation or two formations and just stay with it. But you know, two up top obviously we couldn't use against Stoke. Um and obviously again we had to use an injured. Um, Colin Kazin Richards, which to be honest, we nobody actually thought that was going to happen. We all thought Wagon would start, and then obviously Rooney called him out after the game about he didn't train very well. He said what? he said it was more he said it was it was more a behavioural and attitude problem than the actual training it's, itself. Now, um, I've been told that, that Rooney had told Wycon the exact same thing um, on the Friday after the training session that. Um, you know, he was going to be um, dropped because of his attitude in, in training. So it wasn't like Rooney had, had come out there and and um, and just thrown Martin under the bus. It was a very, very strong criticism, but that Wayne had spoken to Martin and basically given him the same rundown, at least lets the player know, you know, sort of what might be coming publicly when being asked about that. And to be fair to Rooney, it's the same approach that he used with, with Louis Sibley. Um, now, look, the criticism of Louis Sibley was, was a criticism. He caveated it with, you know, he's a talented player. But after that Millwall game, it was still a big criticism, you know, it, but it was Wayne's way of challenging Louis and he, you know, he, he responded. Um, Wayne had spoken to Louis privately about that. Now, Wayne didn't say that at, at the time, you know. Yeah, <laughs> so it did just Wayne, seem like, he's he awful. Yeah, it was, it was the next press conference where he said, well, I, I had spoken to him at, at the time as well about that. I'd spoken to him privately about that. So it does have a little bit more context. But I think it is interesting how he deals with these things. Where he, will, he will talk to the player privately, but he also wants to get that message out there publicly as well to let it be known that, um, you know, while I've spoken to you privately, I'm going to let it be known publicly that you know this is an acceptable or you need to do better or this needs to be good enough um and i think that's a very interesting um management style you know who's to say whether it's right or wrong you know he got the correct response out of louis simply the very next game against brentford when louis played probably his best game of the season um probably his best game since he hit the hat trick against millwall um you know almost a year ago now um that was an outstanding 45 minutes from 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 louis um, if he gets the same response out of out of Wycombe, you go, well, that's great management. Do you know? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So you could you can only really judge if it's a good or a bad decision, sort of a few further games down down the road. Yeah, I, you took my next question out of my mouth. I know that was going to be what you expect about his criticism and stuff. But yeah, um, so I mean, you mentioned someone else. Uh, obviously, you wrote an article about him um, the other day, uh, Nathan Byrne. My, my, my nephew's asked, I think this is why I said my nephew, uh, James Smith, he says, uh, he says, who's your player of the season so far? I assumed from that article you would go with Nathan Byrne. Would that be correct? Or would you be looking at somebody else? Nathan, for, for me, um, I, I'm, I'm wrestling between Nathan, Jason and Colin. Um, Nathan, Nathan, Colin is probably third in that running just because he's played fewer games. 
but then you sort of look at well, where would they be with, without without his goals? But and Nathan and, and Jason have just been a marked consistency. But but I mean Nathan Nathan has been just outstanding, absolutely outstanding. Um, you know he's he. He came in as a more defensive-minded right-back, you know, a more defensively sound right-back for Jaden Bogle, who we knew as a, a flamboyant attacking threat, but as a converted winger and still very young, we knew he had some defensive deficiencies. And those defensive deficiencies, when they did flare up, often cost Derby. You remember the 3-2 defeat against Bristol, which Jaden was not, the, in fact, the entire back for that day was appalling, but Jaden was part of that. Um, the cameo against Huddersfield when he comes off the bench and, you know, shocking clearance header and then gets the wrong side of his man and Huddersfield score. Um, you know, he's had a few like that. Nathan very rarely has a bad defensive game. He's so defensively sound one-on-one. He's so good defensively one-on-one. Nearly always gets the right side of his man. Can be taken advantage of in the in the air because he's not the tallest defender, um, but, but so defensively astute. Great energy up and down the flank. And his crossing has is, is improved. Um absolutely miles and miles and I never thought he was a particularly bad crosser but whenever he gets in position to cross a ball I always feel confident that it's going where it's designed to go you know I always think it's going to be put into an area that at least makes the team defend it honestly um and he can he can put all sorts of crosses in he'll he'll flash them along low crosses along the ground he'll loop them to the far post he can even check inside and put them in with his left um, you know, he can put whip on them. He can, he can do whatever you want with them. Um, he's He's been, it, it's, I'm not sure how much of an indictment it, it, it is that recently he's been Derby's best attacking outlet. Mm. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's a big, you know, it's a big boost to, to, to him to, that he does consistently do well when going forward. But I think it also highlights the, the crossing inefficiency of, of, of Camus Yuzviak of, of, of Patrick Roberts, for as good as Patrick Roberts has been, he does have a penchant for cutting in on his left and wanting to to either take a shot or or you know put a cross in with his stronger foot. And by that point, all the defenders are back in place and kind of it kind of fizzles out. Um, so, like Tom I, you know, <laughs> yeah, a little bit, a bit like a bit like Tom Lawrence, you know, yeah. a little a little bit a little bit like Tom as, as well. I think this is the problem with Derby's wide options is they have too many inverted wingers and not enough out. You know, you look at Camille and he's the really only out and out winger. Um, they have too many guys that want to cut inside onto their favorite favorite foot and and take a take a shot on, um, which is where part of the imbalance in, in the squad is. But back back to Nathan, he's he's been he's been absolutely brilliant. Um, I, I'm trying to think of of one performance where he, he he's really been like, oof, he didn't play well. He he hasn't played well today. Um, and it, and it's hard, you know. He's yeah. he's just been very 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 good. And and considering, you know. Derby paid not very much at all for him. Um, it's been, uh, you know, a brilliant bit of business. He reminds me of um, Chris Powell, a right-sided Chris Powell. You know, just the way he's up and down the wing, you know, he's literally, I want to go to the wing, I want to put, on, put the board in the box. I'll get back to my defensive duties. I was watching some old old sort of YouTube clips of Derby back in the Premier League. <laughs> Such a long time ago. <laughs> <laughs> Such a long time ago. And yeah, I just thought, you know, Chris Powell was, you know, he was that sort of, um, you know, he was that just sort of let, that old school sort of um, wing back or, you know, because he mm. played, you know, at times he played and, you know, in a, as a wing back in, in, a, in a midfield five. Um, and, you know, he, you know, he just got the ball and, you know, I want to put it in the box. He reminds me a little bit of, a, and this is not a direct comparison uh, before people go mad, but um, he reminds me a little bit of a championship version of Aaron Wambasaka. Um, now Aaron is Aaron is a lot taller and a lot more physical 
Um, but very rarely do you see Aaron Wambasaka get beat one versus one defensively. Yeah. Um, and, and Aaron's very comfortable in the back three. He's very comfortable in the back four. He's very comfortable playing wing back, you know, or as a flat full back. Um, and also he's, he's probably better going forward than he's given credit for. Um, and I think that's Nathan. I think you very rarely see him, you know, he's, He's not as, as big as Aaron, so he, you know he's he's he, those long rangey legs that Aaron has. Nathan doesn't have, but he, he remains tight to his man. He knows where he's showing him inside, outside, um, and, and he normally wins those one-on-one contests. Um, and then going forward, he's, he's he's a lot better than than certainly at, at, at the beginning of his of his derby tenure. Now, you know he started out as a very attacking wing back as a young player, um, and even got a, a sixty-minute hat trick when he was playing for Swindon. Those attacking qualities are there. But I think when you play in a Wigan team that wasn't wasn't defensive, but basically knew what it was, yeah. um, which was it was going to soak pressure up and break at lightning speed on the counter attack. And I, I I thought Wigan, um, obviously they went down through through administration in the end. But I, I thought Wigan, particularly in the second half of the season, were one of the better counter attacking teams in the division. They knew what they were, and Nathan was a big part of that. But the yeah. fact he was always asked to defend first means you 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 are often shown his defensive qualities first. You know. When he comes to Derby, the fact that Derby was so often on the back foot in games, he's always been asked to defend a lot first before he, he's allowed to to go forward and show what he can do um, going forward. Um, but yeah, I mean, he's 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 been brilliant. He's been absolutely brilliant, and certainly um, one of my top three for, for for player of the year for for sure. You know, I mean, you might be able to throw Matt Clark in there, but 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 I think Clark has had some some dips as well. Yeah, he's, definitely. He's, he's still he's still been very very good. Don't don't get me wrong, but I think. I think he's had a few more, you know, patches like that, and they've not been big patches, but he's had a couple like that. Where, yeah. whereas I don't think Nathan really, really has. Um, you know, I could say the same for, for Jason as well. Definitely. Uh, just, just one quick one then. Um, Ruse or Marshall? Ooh. It's that debate again. I've never seen a team go through so many goalkeepers. <laughs> Firstly, um, I, I understand why Wayne has made the decision. Um, you know, when, when Rudy came in, the message was that your place is up for grabs, and that's every place. That includes David Marshall's place, um, which is um, it's it's unusual, but it's it, it's not unheard of. So remember at Manchester United when Sir Alex brought in David De Gea, and you know he was being rotated in and out of the side, and I think and- Anders Lingard was the other goalkeeper who was sort of splitting time with him between the sticks as well. You know, so Rudy's been there and seen that with the goalkeeper position. Yeah. Um, but look, um, if you're going to do it on competition and on current form, Keller's been fine. Like, the poor guy had four put past him at Cardiff, and he was only at fault for one of them. It was the last kick of the game, and they were 3-0 down. You could hardly use that as, as evidence that he should be dropped again. Um, you know, he's been against Barnsley. I thought he was excellent. Most solid, really solid goalkeeping performance I've ever seen, that is, from, from Keller. It was, it was strange. So you, you go back to, to, to last season. Go back to last season and look at, at Keller... Uh, what what he, his worst was at his form. You look at the three 0 against Fulham, the three 0 defeat against Fulham. You look at a, a few of the other games, maybe the Reading game, the three 0 defeat there, maybe the Brentford game um, away, the three 0 defeat there, um, even the Bristol City game at home. Um, you look at them and they're, they're not they're not great showings of, of of Keller. You look at what he's produced and put on tape, sort of since he's been put in for for David. You know, in both the the two injuries that David suffered. He's not done a lot wrong. He's, no. he's not. He's a, and as well, he's a lot more vocal out there than he used to be. You, you hear him out there now. You never used to hear him. 
You know, he, he was not a very loud goalkeeper, which always filled me with worry. Um, you know, some some players, you know, Edwin van der Sar was, you know, famously one of the more quiet goalkeepers, one of the quietest goalkeepers. But but typically a goalkeeper is quite loud, and 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 he's been a lot more vocal, um, you know, since since getting the sticks. And look, right now, I I, I think that that Keller deserves his spot because I don't think he's done a lot wrong. I don't now I don't think David's done a lot wrong either. But I mean, it'd be so harsh to drop Keller again when yeah. David's fit after Keller's come in and not really done a lot wrong. He looks big as well. He looks like he's been in the way. He looks, I mean, he's, he's he's about six foot five anyway. And I think he's remarkably agile for a man his size. He looks really like bloody big. He looks like Ibrahimovic. So he's got his ponytail. <laughs> he looks like he, him. He looks, he looks like, a, he, he looks like the sort of goalkeeper that, you know, if it's a corner and he's coming out to punch, the opposition look and think, you know what? I'm oh, all right, yeah. mate. I'm going to let, I'm going to let you punch that because there's no way I'm going flying into you. He, yeah. he, look, he looks like he's put on some weight in a good way. Like he, he looks big. Cool. Right then, I'll just quickly read through the last couple of comments then um, that aren't about the takeover. <laughs> so, um, yeah, first one's from Roy Gibson. He says, no takeover, no money, six low knees, no wins in seven. Where do we go from here? I can't think of a more perfect recipe for relegation than this. And yet I'm an optimist. <laughs> I, I, I don't think... <sighs> I, th- I think I think the, the thing is, is that, look, you know, Roy won't be the... Is it, is it Roy, isn't it? Roy, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Roy won't be the only one that has that has got some concerns about that because they're valid, they're valid concerns. Look, even if Derby stay up, even if Derby stay up, there's you know three four players out of contract. There's six loanees going back. Derby don't have a single centre back currently contracted through next season because you've got Edmondson on loan, you've got Matt Clark on loan, you've got Ted and Mengi on loan, and Andre Wisdom and, and, and Curtis Davis are out of contract. Um, that's bad. That's just really bad. Yeah. Um, you know, that, that's got to be sorted. You look up front and with, you know, Colin has been absolutely sensational since he's come in, but he's got more games um, behind him than he's got in front of him. There needs to be a long-term replacement for Colin. Um, you know, Martin and his contract situation, not even just his general situation, you don't really know what's happening with him. Lee Gregory is going to be a free agent and also he's on loan. So the club probably needs two or three new strikers as well. The club needs two or two new midfielders, creative midfielders, Um as 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 much as you want to try and um, coach up, you know, Shinny and Knight who can play, but that's not their natural role to cut defenses apart from deep. Um, we've seen the results of it so far, and it's and it's not um, it's not great. So you need a natural um, midfielder from deep who is going to play those you know defense splitting passes. Now Max Bird is taking little little bit longer than I think we hoped. Yeah. To, to add that to his game because you look at what he did in the under 23s when they won the Premier League he had 10 assists so so he has got that in his locker but championship football is different to 23s football and he's developing that and he's learning that um, and they need a proper 10 they need a proper number 10 um, now people will say Louis Sibley I would argue Louis Sibley is not a natural 10 I would argue he's an attacking midfielder where you get him on the half turn you want him to turn and run at defences and get them on the back foot what I'm talking about is they need a Meza Ozil type. Now, obviously, he, he's just the first player I think of when I think of a number 10. 
You want that guy who's going to float between the lines and he's going to sort of pick up clever positions and see the pass, see the run before it's happened. You know, get get them hot step, get the defense hot stepping backwards with the pass rather than running at them. You know, they need they need that type. I think a more a more elegant ball player. You know, I think simply is all you know, blood and thunder and pick the ball up and run at you. You definitely need that. And I'm not advocating for him to be replaced, but I think they need someone who can unlock very, very stubborn defences like Wickham, like Rotherham, like Coventry, you know, all those teams by just taking up clever positions in half spaces and just seeing passes, you know, like that. And the ball's out on time. It's gone in the blink of an eye. Uh, and I don't think that is Louis Sibley's game. I think he's much more of a dribbler, runner, you know, hit a shot from 25 yards. I think they need another player in that position in a different yeah. mould. So they need that as well. And they probably need another winger, um, as in an out-and-out winger. Do not buy, do not buy another inverted <laughs> winger. Don't You've got like 9,000 of them. Stop it. They need a proper winger. They need a proper left winger. Camille on the right. I like Camille on the right. Everyone knows my feelings on Camille on the right. I like him on the right. He's much better when he can when he can get chalk on his boots and he can stretch you vertically, going down the outside and getting crosses in. The quality of those crosses, yes, is often not good. Um, recently, actually, he's not been too bad. Um, he's been let down by some movement. But generally, the quality of his crosses is not good. I don't like him on the left because he condenses things too much and he gets lost. Yeah. Get a proper left winger. You can still have Tom on there for your inverted, for your inside forward, your inverted winger. You can still have Tom on there. He's very valuable, but they need a true left winger. They have to be able to put out two out and out wingers to stretch the pitch vertically. Because if you're if you've got Colin Kazin Richards though and you've got two inverted wingers, well, he doesn't really thrive on that service. You need guys on the outside who are going to put balls into the box. So they need proper wingers so the, the squad needs seven eight nine new players it's it's a lot so i understand roy's concern and a lot of fans um concerns as well now i think i think they are going to try and get ted and back on loan for, for another season i think it would make a lot of sense for all parties if ted and mengi returned on loan this season and do you know what for what it's worth ted has been great ted has been really really good recently his debut was not good um his debut was not good at all um he really did struggle, but he was at right back, not his natural position, but he did struggle. Um, against Barnsley, he was outstanding, absolutely outstanding against Barnsley, I thought. And that was a tough game. That's such a tough game, you know, against a physical team. He's still a young man who's growing and you're being asked to go against one of the most direct teams on planet Earth. Um, <laughs> and he was, he was brilliant. Against Millwall, God, against Millwall, he loses his man for the goal. And it's, it's a killer blow. It's a killer mistake. But across the 90 minutes, he was the best defender. Now, yes, the mistake is a bad one. The mistake is a very, very bad one because it cost them a goal. But across the 90 minutes, he was the best defender. He swept, he swept up brilliantly. He took charge of most things in the air really well. And um, there were a couple of low crosses that he had to outstretch his leg and, and flick away. And generally, he was absolutely excellent. And um, he gave me Fikayo Tomori vibes. In the, um, he had a couple of slack touches, but he was always able to recover because of his speed. Yeah. Uh, he read the game very, very well. He could get across to cover very, very well. He's very intelligent in his starting position and where he swept up across. I, I thought he's been he's been absolutely brilliant. Um, and also, like, yeah, he makes the mistake for the goal, but you know, when you can't score, and when you can't score goals, one mistake is always going to be magnified because you think, well, at the other end of the pitch, you know. 
we're not going to be able to to, to get poor Ted and out of out, out of Stuck here because yeah. we can't score. So it, you know, I, th- I felt I felt for him, but um, yeah, I think I think generally he's been excellent, and and I think Derby would very much like Matt Clark last year. I think the very first thing that happens when the window opens is they have to get Ted and back. I'm not sure they get Matt Clark back because at some point Brighton need to know what they've got in him. They paid four million for him. He's on a four year deal. And he's going to be, he's halfway through that now. At some point, you need to know what he is. Um, and there's no way that you get Matt Clark back unless you're paying four million for him. Probably because he's he's shown that he's put two very very good seasons in the in the books for you. So you might well actually want five or six for him. Yeah. Um, so at some point, Brighton need to know what they have in Matt Clark. They all, Brighton might also lose Ben White in in the summer. So I'm not. It's not as foregone, a foregone conclusion that they get Matt Clark back this window the same way it probably was last last um, summer. So bringing Ted and back is would be would be very very good for them. Yeah. Lucy pretty much says the same thing as Roy. <laughs> hi, hi guys, hope you're well. Long time since I've been here. All I can say is I think we might be looking at survival now. We've been second best in most of the games, and winning seven isn't good enough. Uh, we should be putting away these easy chances and getting them into the box, and actually scoring them. Performance hasn't been great either. Proved, but reckon it's gone downhill again. A bit lucky we've managed to come back against Brentford, but onto Luton. And two quick fire questions. One's for me. This is a proper cheeky question. Is it from Mark Coote? He says, as it's an international break and, and depressing being a Derby fan at the moment, question is from, from one smooth head to another, what shaver do you use for your head? <laughs> <laughs> well, Mark, <laughs> I actually use. Um, I think it's a place called Shave Kit online, shavekit.com, and they just send me like five razors like every every few months. <laughs> just things about nineteen pounds or something like that. That's what I use. Do you buff? Do you buffer it? Do you buffer it? Do you shine it? Do you? No, you're it's not got mine. <laughs> I'm, 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 lo- I'm losing mine, but uh, no no barbers means it's actually grown out a little bit there. But, yeah, but the, yeah. the, hair, the hairline is receding, but we're, we're still we're still growing a little bit. There is a McDonald's M in your head. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't buffer it. I just put a bit of moisturiser. I think it's just naturally shiny. And the last question's for you. We mentioned McDonald's. <laughs> Ryan Matheson says, if you can't get 20 nuggets from Mackey's, what's your next choice? Walking out of Mackey's. <gasps> oh, that's it. Twenty nuggets. No, no, um, I'm, I'm a big, I'm a big fan of the big tasty with bacon. Actually, awesome. Um, that big tasty with bacon. So, to, to be, to be honest, nuggets was a re- recent revelation of mine. I always enjoyed like the chicken nuggets, but for some reason recently, it's become the go-to. So, nuggets and a large strawberry milkshake, please. Um, and that's that's typically uh, that's typically what I, what I enjoy. Although the last strawberry milkshake I got. Um, was not that great because it was a bit thinner than it usually is. Usually, you get a really good thick strawberry milkshake, and it's great. But this one was a little bit, a little bit, um, a little bit runny. I don't, I don't know why I'm complaining. If, if, if one of you listeners um, works at the McDonald's in in Derby Town Centre, have a word, will you? <laughs> Do you dunk your nuggets in your milkshake? I know somebody does that. No, I don't. No, I don't. This is this is serial killer behaviour. <laughs> I don't, I don't know why anyone does that. People are already oh, dunk your chips in your milkshake. No, you fucking psychopath. Of course I don't. <laughs> I don't get that at all, at all. It's just, it's so wrong. It's just, I'm like, what are you doing? You can't mix essentially it's, ice cream with chicken nuggets. It just, no, just, it's no, not. No. Look, if, if, look if, 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 if someone can present to me a very documented and detailed thesis as to, as to why you engage in such behaviours, um, send it to me and I'll send it on to the relative authorities. But for me, nah, just don't get in your barbecue sauce or your sweet curry sauce, but 
leave the milkshake alone. So that was our review on McDonald's. Thank you for joining in. <laughs> <laughs> um, and just a quick one, actually. Um, Nicky bought to Derby. Load of bollocks or? No, it's, it's, no, it's nothing that, that I've um, heard that's got any stock in it. No. Um, so yeah, no, that's I, I, I saw the I saw the rumor doing doing the rounds, but it was yeah, having sort of checked that out, there was not a lot of, of credence to to that. Yeah, from from what from what from what I from what I checked out anyway. <laughs> there we go. So Nicky Butt is no no, no buts. <laughs> Ryan, we'll, we'll end it there. I don't want to keep you any longer. Um, I know you've had a busy day, my friend. Uh, <laughs> so, but thank you, thank you for giving me your time. Thank you for coming on. Um, and thank you to all you guys who gave you questions and your comments. for quite a, th a few there. Um, I hope Ryan's doing his best answering for you. Um, as always, you can follow Ryan on, on Twitter at. Uh, it's at RJ Conway ninety two, and you can you know follow my work on the Athletic and tell me how much I suck. Oh, I don't like that. I don't see nothing but love for you on on the Athletic. <laughs> and YouTube, what's your YouTube channel? Oh, um, you have no what idea. Is <laughs> uh, what, what is it? <laughs> What is it? RJ Conway 92. That's that's the one. That's the one. <laughs> yeah. I actually go, just, go, go and follow me on there. I typed in Ryan Conway once and it did actually come up with a Ryan Conway. I thought that's that's not my Ryan Conway. That's that's not the guy <laughs> I know. <laughs> who, is, who is this imposter? <laughs> How dare you take another YouTube channel with my name? <laughs> no, but honestly, yeah, go, my YouTube's RJ Conway 92. Go and go and follow it on there. I, I do such a poor job of promoting that because I just think that you know it's it's just me and my barely lucid thoughts rambling about 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 Derby. So I just kind of I put it pop pop it on when I'm about to go live, but I don't, I don't really don't really promote it out, outside of uh, outside of that. You know, if, if you want to find it, you know, it's 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 there. I think it's in my bio as well somewhere. So you know, if you want to check it out, then 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 check it out. You normally literally go on Twitter and go, "Who fancies alive?" Click this link. Yeah, well, that's 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 generally how it goes. I mean, the, the deadline one that we did, that was uh, that was you know a bunch of your guys' idea. That was a bunch of, of, of the fans' idea, and that that was absolutely awesome. You know, hopping on hopping on a, a, a live YouTube at you know ten past eleven at night, and you know everyone was really excited. And I remember, you know, that day was you know just adrenaline fuel. I don't think I got to bed until about half two in the morning. Um, <laughs> you know, just the adrenaline coursing through you, you know, because you're you're doing all these and then obviously is the deal you know obviously as the deals are rolling in mm. um you know you, you've then got to you know for me as a journalist and particularly the type of journalist that i am that i thrive on right tactically how do they fit in what's their profile what's this what's that suddenly to have five new ones drop you think this is fucking great <laughs> <laughs> oh amazing amazing well ryan it's been an absolute pleasure as usual um thank you for coming on Nah, don't worry about it, man. Thanks so much for, for having me back on again. It's always, like I said, it's always a pleasure to, to come on here and, and chop it up with you, man. And yeah, you know, you do some great work, got some great pods out there. So yeah, it's, it's always a pleasure to be part of that rotation. Oh, there's love there. There's love, there's genuine love there. <laughs> always, always love, bro. All love. Big love. Big <laughs> love. Big love the beast. <laughs> it's private joke, people. Anyway, guys, we'll stop rambling now. Thank you. Thank you guys for listening. Remember to like, subscribe and share. Uh, and as always, we'll see you after the international break. Come on, Derby.